Our sermon text then is something we've already read, Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, although I'll, I'll go ahead and read it again to review this portion because we'll be talking about it. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. It's also on the back of the sermon insert. The fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray for God's blessing upon his word. Dear Father, we thank you for giving your word to direct us. We pray that you would strengthen us, convict us, comfort us through your word, that you would direct the preaching for the edification of the saints. We pray that you would strengthen our whole body, those with us today and those uh, hindered from being with us, that you would strengthen us all through your word, through your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The fourth commandment regards your use of time. If the first commandment had to do with who to worship, and the second commandment, how to worship, and the third commandment, in what manner we should worship, fourth commandment speaks of a time of rest and worship. It regards your use of time. The way you spend your time is important. It shapes you. It partially reflects your priorities, and it partially shapes your priorities. The idea that the first day of the week is the Christian Sabbath is somewhat unpopular today. Our culture prizes individual freedom and choice and economic efficiency, both of which conflict with the idea of a communal observance of a day of rest and worship. As our society has become more and more secular, its schedule and rhythm of life no longer makes space for a Sabbath. While society used to give support to the observance of this day, even by law, uh, now Christians must swim against the stream to carve out this time, to carve out time that God has appointed. Secular society has its own, we might call a church calendar, its own rhythm of life uh, that she seeks to shape your priorities and schedule your time. From the beginning, though, God set aside a weekly Sabbath day, a blessed day, a holy day. It has been appointed for his glory and for your good. As Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man. Today, I want to answer a few questions. What is the Sabbath day? When is the Sabbath day? And how is the Sabbath day to be observed? First of all, then, what is the Sabbath day? The Hebrew word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word for rest. The Sabbath day is a weekly day of rest from work. That's where we might start with our definition simply from the word. But quickly, in the commandment itself, you find that it's more than a day off. 
It is a holy day. We are told to keep it holy, and we are told that God made it holy. Of course, because he made it holy, that's why we should keep it holy, observe it as a holy day. Um, in the King James language, he hallowed it. That means you know, to, to sanctify it, to set it apart, to make it holy. To be holy is to be set apart from what is common and specially consecrated unto God, consecrated to God in a special manner. The Sabbath day is kept as a holy day both by not working, so setting it apart from what's common, and by using the day instead to worship God. Public worship has always been a a part of Sabbath observance. It's not something new in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, worship was part of the Sabbath, as we see in Leviticus 23.3. Enlisting the the feasts of of Israel, many of which they had to go to Jerusalem for, but the Sabbath is one they would uh, observe in their dwelling places. It says, Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. A holy convocation or a holy assembly, a holy calling together, a calling together for the sake of worship. This is where the origin of the synagogue likely came, the the local gathering in in the Old Testament. In addition to that more uh, or, or less frequent assembly in Jerusalem for some of the great feasts. So week to week. It's a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places, God says. This rest was consecrated by a, as, as a holy rest by the worship of God. After all, it's only right that a due proportion of time be set apart for the worship of God. We should worship, at, uh, we should worship God daily in, in our homes. But most days, most of our time is uh, quickly taken up by the work of our callings, and our, our families. God gives you work to do in his service, and he gives you time for that work of yours, six out of seven days. Uh, but it's just and right that time be set aside for you to set aside that work and to meet with God directly in worship. God has appointed that one day in seven be set aside for that purpose. Just as all your money is God's and ought to be used to his glory, but part of it is given as an offering to him. So all your time is his to be used to his glory, but part of it is to be given to him in a special way. Do not defraud God of his day. It's also good for you that you work six days, but you rest from your regular labors one day in seven. God set this pattern in the way that he made the world. Did God need to rest on the seventh day? Did God need to take six days to make the world? Couldn't he have just done it in one day? Why did he make the world in the way that Exodus describes here? Of course, Genesis also describes it. In six days he made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested on the seventh day. He did so for our instruction as a pattern for us who are made in his image. We ought to reflect him and to work as he worked, and to rest as he rested. We, we do his, take dominion of the earth as, as his image bearers, uh, but uh, we also ought to uh, give heed to him resting on the seventh day as a pattern for us. You do not work as slaves like Israel did in Egypt. You do not work as anxious and 
desperate cosmic orphans who are only depending on your own work, but you are children of the heavenly Father who trust him for your daily bread, who seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and indeed go and do your work, but continue to trust him for your daily bread. So the core Sabbath principle is a moral principle rooted in the creation order. This is how God made the world and instructed man to to live and designed man to work six days and to rest one day in seven. It's a duty laid upon all men, and it's a sin for any to neglect it. Notice also in in the creation accounts, Genesis 2-3, from the beginning it mentions that he blessed the day and hallowed it, made it holy. It wasn't simply a rest. It was a holy rest. It was then republished in the Ten Commandments. Uh, The fourth commandment refers back to God's work of creation to support uh, this duty. Because God made all things in six days and rested on the seventh day, therefore he blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Therefore it's a duty to rest on the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. The God we serve, the God Israel served, is the maker of heaven and earth. We do not serve a mere tribal God who's over this area of the earth, that area of the earth. We serve the God who made all things. The Creator was, is our God and has received us back by His grace and was restoring you and me to His image. Notice, though, in, in Deuteronomy 5, we have another reason to keep the Sabbath day. Deuteronomy 5, where Moses Uh, reminds Israel of the Ten Commandments, adds another reason for observing the Sabbath day. Not only was it rooted in creation, but also in redemption. Quote, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So because you have been redeemed from bondage, Because you have been saved by God, therefore keep the Sabbath day. They have been released from bondage, therefore they can rest. Therefore they should give thanks to their God. They were also to give this rest to others. Deuteronomy adds that your male servants and your female servants may rest as well as you. So having been given rest by God... They were to give rest to others. As you have received mercy, so show mercy. So the Sabbath day then is this weekly day of rest and worship, rooted both in creation and redemption. The second thing I want to look at is when is the Sabbath day? When is the Sabbath day? There's several errors today respecting the present timing of the Sabbath day. Some, like Seventh-day Adventists, uh, would argue that the seventh day remains the Sabbath day. Some claim that the Sabbath day has passed away completely without anything equivalent in its place, which should strike you as kind of unfair for us and for God. Some claim that it is up to each individual to choose their own Sabbath day. Some might not hold to really any particular position, but their conviction's been weakened by all these various claims about what, when is the Sabbath day? I don't know. Maybe no one knows. And by the pressures of our society, and perhaps by negative experiences or perceptions of Sabbath keeping. And so there is a bit of confusion. 
Now, in the Old Testament, the Sabbath day was the seventh day of the week, what we call Saturday. But the Sabbaths of the Old Covenant were abrogated. Paul wrote in Colossians 2, 16 through 17, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Uh, That these Old Covenant ceremonies... Uh, pointed to Jesus Christ, who is the substance, and therefore uh, no one need be judged on whether they observe these things or not, the food laws or the, uh, the festivals. And he mentions Sabbaths here as well. There wasn't, of course, just the weekly Sabbath, but there was the yearly Sabbaths, and there was the Jubilee year. These old covenant Sabbath days and years pointed to Christ and his redemptive work. After all, we saw in Deuteronomy that it it looked to the Exodus, which was a type of what Christ would do for his people, releasing them from spiritual bondage. But it pointed to the full accomplishment of this in the resurrection of Christ. So the seventh day Sabbath was a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So we do not observe the seventh day Sabbath of the old covenant. But... The Sabbath hadn't begun with Israel. Uh, The moral and creation principle of one day in seven as a holy day of rest remained. This observance was moved to the first day of the week as a new covenant observance in honor of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the day on which he finished his work of redemption and rested. This shift was not a mere invention of the church, but was taught by the example of our Lord and recorded uh, quite purposefully in Scripture, even if it might seem uh, subtle. But before I get to that, before I get to how this change was made, I want to address the idea that God just left it now to each individual. You pick your own Sabbath day. That's what some people talk about today. Well, even if God didn't specify which day of the week to celebrate as the Sabbath, it would still not be left up to you as an individual, because the Sabbath day is not simply a personal day off. Uh, it was designed to be observed by a community and requires that a day be agreed upon by that community. When the fourth commandment was given, it was not, it was, not only was it commanded that you not do any work, but also all these other people, your son, your daughter, male servant, female servant, even your animals, uh, the, the sojourner that's within your gates. Exodus 23 also emphasizes corporate responsibility and communal benefits. Six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant's woman and the alien may be refreshed. Um, It's about giving rest as well as resting and resting together. It's not merely a command for individuals, but for a community. It gives leaders a responsibility to see that those under their charge observe the day and that they do not burden them with work on that day, knowing that our schedules are rarely individual matters. The Sabbath rest was also not merely for the cessation of work. We know it's about worship as well, and not just individual worship, but what's the word Leviticus used? A holy convocation, a holy gathering, public worship, the worship of the congregation. So many of the Psalms uh, want to join with the congregation. I will sing in the congregation of the people. Biblical piety, of course, includes private worship, but it doesn't remain content with that. It wants to break out into worship with God's people. 
and that's part of the Sabbath day. One reason we rest is so we have time to do this, that we are able to set aside our daily work and to gather together for worship. The rest and worship go together. So there would be a necessity, even if God did not specify it, that a day be chosen. And a day has been chosen, whether it's on the basis of... uh, the Bible, as I think it should be, or, or others, otherwise, throughout the history of the church, the church has observed the first day of the week, the day of our Lord's resurrection. Now, my point in saying this is that giving the individuals to their option to pick their own Sabbath really transforms the Sabbath. It just makes it a day off for individuals rather than a communal holiday observed with a holy convocation. Um, one distortion of this idea of what the Sabbath is. I saw online some church was having a Sabbath Sunday. The last Sunday of the year, they were not holding worship so everyone could rest. So they were calling it a Sabbath Sunday, which is really is, is not a good perspective on what the Sabbath is. It is a holy day. We worship on every Sunday because it is the Sabbath day. And that is part of what it means to have a Sabbath. It is a holy day. Anyway, God has not left the church to choose its own day. The Bible records the shift from the old covenant Sabbath on the seventh day to a new covenant Sabbath, or what our confession calls the Christian Sabbath, on the first day of the week. First of all, Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, sanctified the first day of the week by rising from the dead on that day, finishing the work of redemption, resting from that labor, Just as God had first sanctified the seventh day by ceasing from his work of creation on that day. What God did sanctified the day. Jesus sanctified the first day of the week by rising from the dead. It's always specified that it was on the first day of the week. They didn't have to record that. They could have just said the third day after he died, but it was on the first day of the week. After the old Sabbath, when they rested, that he rose from the dead. Then, on that same day of the week, he met with his gathered disciples in the evening, and he taught them, and he broke bread with some of them. Um, It was the first gathered worship service in the New Covenant Sabbath. In fact, in John, not only does it say Jesus rose on the first day of the week, but then again in the evening, it repeats the phrase, on the first day of the week. Could have just said on the same evening, but oh, the first day of the week, Jesus came to his gathered disciples while the doors were locked, and he, he said, peace to you, and he breathed uh, on them, saying, Receive the Holy Spirit. Then John records that eight days later, uh, Jesus came to them again, and by his inclusive way of reckoning time, eight days later meant the next first day of the week, you know, counting both first days of the week. Eight days later, they were gathered again, and Jesus met with the gathered disciples on that next Sunday, and Thomas was with them this time, and Thomas worshiped Jesus. Then, seven weeks after Christ's resurrection, was another Sunday, another first day of the week. That was the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was on a Sunday. And on that day, the disciples were gathered together in one place. And the Spirit descended upon them in the morning. And they spoke in foreign tongues, and Peter preached. After this, we find the apostles following this example and gathering for worship on that day. Acts 20, uh, 6-7 recounts that Paul and his companions stayed in Troas for about seven days, uh, but it was on the first day of the week that they gathered together to break bread. 
and Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day and prolonged his speech till midnight. Now, you don't always have preaching till midnight. The extension of the preaching was because he was leaving the next day. In fact, he went beyond midnight. He just mentions midnight because that's when the guy fell out of the window. But, um, but the fact that they gathered to break bread and for preaching uh, was, was on the first day of the week. Could have done it on any of those other days that he was staying there in Troas. In 1 Corinthians 11, we find that the Corinthian church gathered together as a church to eat the Lord's Supper. That's mentioned in chapter 11. Well, I wonder what day they were gathering together to eat the Lord's Supper. Well, in chapter 16, 1 Corinthians 16, we find a reference to a particular day, the first day of the week. Paul tells them to collect supplies for the Jerusalem church on the first day of every week. Uh, that they were going to bring supplies then and lay it together up in a store so that's already collected by the time Paul gets there. And so it makes sense for them to do that when they're already gathering as a church on the first day of the week. Finally, we find that the Apostle John received God's word when he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Revelation 1.10. First of all, this shows that the Apostles did not abolish all distinction of days. They didn't treat all days as equal because there was some day called the Lord's day. They set aside the Old Covenant days, months, feasts, and years, but they did distinguish a day as the Lord's Day. What day would this be, other than the day already mentioned in the New Testament, the first day of the week, the day of the Lord's resurrection? As the Passover pointed to Christ and was replaced by the Lord's Supper, so the Sabbath pointed to Christ and was replaced by uh, the Lord's Day. And that's been the understanding of the church since then. The early church understood the phrase, the Lord's Day, to refer to Sunday. And they observed that day. Ignatius, bishop of Antioch, wrote to a church around A.D. 115. It's not long after the apostles had died. And he said, spoke of those uh, who had been converted. They who were under the older dispensation came into a new hope no longer keeping the Sabbath, but living in observance of the Lord's day, on which day also our life rose through him and through his death. Justin Martyr in 155 describes the Christian's worship. We all make our assembly in common on Sunday, since it is the first day on which God changed the darkness and matter and made the world, and Jesus Christ our Savior arose from the dead, on the same day. And so there was this shift uh, beginning on the day of our Lord's resurrection uh, through the example of him and through the apostles in which now the first day of the week is observed as this weekly day of rest and worship. Thirdly then, how is the Sabbath observed? <clears throat> you are told in this commandment to keep it holy and to not work. Well, you and your son and your daughter, and etc. Uh, don't work, but do keep it holy. Observe it by, first of all, preparing your hearts and common affairs beforehand. Just as the Israelites gathered twice as, twice as much manna the day before the Sabbath, because no manna was going to be given on the Sabbath. They prepared for it. It's a good practice to prepare for it. It goes a long ways towards making it a day of rest when you prepare yourself and get things in order for the coming Lord's Day. 
Secondly, rest all the day from your own works, words, and thoughts about your earthly employments and recreations. Take a break. Make it a holy day, not a normal day. Stop working, even if it means you could make more money or you could get ahead on the week's work by working on that day. It's not a work day. It's not a market day. It's not a sports day, for that matter. It's a holy day. It's for the purpose of rest and worship. And so instead, use the whole day for, first of all, the public and private exercises of worship. Gather together with God's people to worship the Lord, and then also at home, worship the Lord. Engage in the ministry of the Word, prayer, and singing, the sacraments, catechizing, discussing sermons and scripture, meditating upon God's works and word. These are ways in which we worship our God. It was Jesus' practice. His custom was to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And it ought to be ours as well, to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as Hebrews 10 says. But secondly, use the day for deeds of mercy. For probably, uh, Jesus often did miracles of healing on the Sabbath day. Oh, I think all the Gospels mention that, uh, different occasions of him healing on the Sabbath day. Even though the healing often could have waited until the next day. They were not emergencies, but they were deeds of mercy, relieving those who were afflicted. Having received mercy from God, you should show mercy to others. Sharing, healing, encouraging one another. We might not have the power of miracle that Jesus had, but to do good. It's, a, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. If your animal falls into a pit, uh, to, to take them out. Uh, also, uh, to do good to the body and the soul uh, of other people. Physical rest, as long as it's not used to neglect other duties, would be part of uh, this this mercy, uh, both resting and giving rest. Deeds of necessity are other things that may be done on the Sabbath day. Jesus taught that deeds of necessity are permitted on the Sabbath day. He rebuked the Pharisees when they condemned the disciples for feeding themselves from the grain fields on the Sabbath day. Necessary things are things like sleep and food and clothing and travel to church. Uh, these can be work and uh, are yet things that are normal and necessary. Some deeds are deeds both of net mercy and necessity. Things like, you know, uh, helping a woman give birth, or medical emergencies, or putting out fires, or withstanding enemies, uh, both deeds of mercy and necessity, often uh, urgently. If possible, do the necessary things in such a way that they don't interfere with worship. Uh, just because it's a deed of necessity doesn't mean that it should uh, interrupt worship. You should try to do them on other parts of the day. Um, but, of course, emergencies uh, might take uh, precedent. So, as you uh, come to this day, consider, do your thoughts, words, and works on the Sabbath day aid or practice worship, show mercy, or meet necessities that cannot be delayed. I would also add to observe this day with thanksgiving 
and faith and joy. Do not regard it as a burden, but as a delight, and take delight in it. It is meant for your good, and God has blessed it. Above all days, rest from your work with faith in God, and to bless your labors and provide for you. It doesn't all depend on you. You do your work, leave the results to God, take a break as you trust in Him, and rejoice. It's a day to celebrate Christ's resurrection. The weekly day of worship is not the day of Christ's death, although we do commemorate that in the Lord's Supper week to week, uh, but it is the day of resurrection when we know that that death is effectual, that he rose for our justification, that it is finished is indeed true, that he has risen, and he has risen indeed. It's not a fast day, not a day to afflict yourself, but a feast day, a day of joy, a day to rejoice in God your Savior. That song for the Sabbath, Psalm 92, begins this way. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, you know, the whole day, <laughs> but to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. It is to be a day of celebration, holy celebration, rejoicing in the Lord, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Lastly, I note that this command is for you and for your household and even the stranger in your community. As our larger catechism points out, this commandment is specially directed to governors of families and other superiors, quote, because they are bound not only to keep it themselves, but to see that it is observed by all those that are under their charge, and because they are prone oftentimes to hinder them by employments of their own. Because this day is appointed for God's worship and man's rest, the civil government ought to enforce restrictions on businesses on a weekly Sabbath day, like Nehemiah did in Nehemiah 13. Business owners, fathers, and everyone in their place and station can do their part to rest, to give rest. Encourage them to worship the Lord. As Isaiah 2 says, Come, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let us learn His ways, that we might walk in His paths. Not only is it a moral principle binding on all men, rooted in the creation order, but it was made for man, for his good. And you should show mercy to others by giving them a break on this day. In conclusion, the law of God should convict us. It, sh- it reveals sin. It shows God's standard of righteousness. As you examine yourself, do you find that you have broken this commandment or profaned this holy day? Have you withheld from God his due? Then repent of this sin in light of the mercy of God and Christ. Remember the meaning of the day. Jesus Christ is risen. He rose for your justification, your forgiveness, that you might walk now in newness of life. And so, The resurrection of Jesus points to the accomplishment of your salvation. That what Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, truly was the case. That he was vindicated, having totally paid for all those sins, nothing left to stick to him, himself being righteous, was raised from the tomb. His resurrection also points to your future resurrection and glory at his return. Every Sunday is an Easter Sunday on which you and I rejoice in this glorious reality and give thanks to our Savior. 
Every Sunday we meet together with him. On this day we break to reform and to recalibrate, to be refreshed by the means of grace and the fellowship of the saints, to meet with God and his people, to give thanks to God and recommit ourselves to him. So do not be a Sunday Scrooge. You know the way Scrooge treated Christmas? It's the way some people treat Sunday. Don't be a Sunday Scrooge and neglect the day. And don't be a Pharisee who distorts the meaning of the day, you know, as they did in Jesus' day. Let's not neglect this ordinance of God, but use it well. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word and for your ordinances, including the Sabbath day. We pray that you would help us to benefit from it and to glorify you in it, that you would, having blessed this day, bless us through your word, through encouragement, uh, through the praises of your people, that we might be lifted to uh, rejoice in you and to give thanks to your many, for your many benefits. We pray that you would call to mind your good and glorious works. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.